Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm delighted to welcome Ashley O'Connor to our Empowering Podcast uh, once again. And I'm really happy that we've Ashley because I've been really anxious to get a psychologist involved. And Ashley is a senior psychologist with over 15 years experience and a very busy mom to two amazing children, her most important job, you would say, Ashley. She returned from Australia in 2019 to set up Connections Child Psychology, a private practice in Sligo, where she helps children and families heal and reconnect. And this has grown and she now has four therapists working there, uh, helping uh, children and families. And you've recently set up the Child Protection Academy as well, which empowers parents to know how to protect their children from sexual abuse and harm that can occur occur both online and in person. So I'm delighted, Ashley, to have you on board because this series of podcasts and all the previous ones are to empower people and uh, uh, particularly women, but we will also empower uh, men and and you're uh, doing that at at a very young level. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Ashling, and then what are the, the tools parents and everyone should, should use? Super. Well, firstly, Mary, thank you so much for obviously this invitation to come on and do this podcast. It's obviously a big deal, really big deal. And I made the mistake, or maybe it wasn't a mistake, of going through all the other, you know, interviews and who was um, interviewed beforehand. And it's some big, massive, impressive <laughs> names in there. So now I'm like really nervous. But anyway. Um, so thank you. Why not, Ashley? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, I, um, I guess I took a bit of a long route to um, psychology. I knew pretty young that I wanted to do it from I was about, I think I was about 15 or 16 and my parents separated and I went to my own counselling mm. um, and I remember it's just so clear even now that I went into the room and there was a big basket of toys in the room and this beautiful lady was there and we had a really lovely session and I was so curious what the toys were about mm. and from that and my own kind of reading in the library when I was trying to fix my parents marriage at the time um, I just knew I wanted to do something to do with counselling and psychology and um, it became this kind of dream that I had that I wanted to open my own private practice to help kids. And I used to visualize exactly where it would be in Sligo Town, because that's where I'm from. Um, now, it isn't exactly where I had visualized, but it obviously did come to fruition. Um, but a long way, I went off and I qualified as an accountant first. And then I always had in the back oh of my, my mind, what I, yeah, completely. Yeah. 
Um, I see that so much with the medical students. It's so diverse what they've done before and but anyway, yeah. see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but but brilliant and very grateful that I did because mm-hmm. it meant that I could travel a lot and I went to Australia and I had a fantastic 15 years in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um absolutely fantastic time. And through that, was able to go back then, you know, and had saved enough to go back and go back and do my degree and my master's in psychology and, and really go back to what I really wanted to do. So it's been a long journey, but a fantastic journey. Fantastic. And mm. can you tell us a bit about what psychology is, Ashley? Because for all the listeners, they probably yes. don't know what psychology really deals with and what it is. Yeah, well, psychology is really about helping people understand and feel better within their own mental health, right? So understanding why you might be feeling a certain way and mm-hmm. um, making sense of that. And then obviously giving you the tools and the techniques to be able to overcome those um, difficulties. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole range of different types of psychology, like there's educational psychologists, there's counselling, clinical, like lots of different forensic even psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, you know, the work that I would have done in my training and that would have been to do with um, kids and adults, but very much focused on um, like talk therapies and diagnosis and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I started to work with kids quite early on and I soon realized that this isn't working right and you know obviously it works somewhat but it Mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't at the level I felt it needed to be Mm -hmm. that how can I work with a seven-year-old say who doesn't have the verbal ability and and and, you know that I would have Mm -hmm. and here I am trying to use words to help them Mm -hmm. so I did a lot more research went back and did more training and um, ended up finding this fantastic um woman Donna Burry and she is the head of Play Therapy Australia mm-hmm. and so from that I went on and did a clinical program in Play Therapy and I'm now a supervisor for them as well okay. where you use the, you use toys to explain a little bit around that you use toys um, a child used toys in the room as their words. So they play out their life. They play out their real experiences in the playroom or in the, the room with all the toys that you have in there. And you make sense of it with them and help them make sense of that experience, if that Fantastic. makes sense. Yes, totally. So, totally. so it's, a, it's another part of the whole psychology world. It's another, another modality that we use. Amazing and very important for children who wouldn't have proper use of language to be really important, wouldn't it, Ashley? Massively yeah. so, yeah. massively. Yeah. And yeah and and that's the whole thing with the whole um work yeah. with young kids they don't have the capacity yeah. They can't make sense of their world. And obviously, we know so much from neuroscience and neurobiology now that the first three years of a child's life are critical. Those relationships and connections and and the experience that we have Mm -hmm. in those first three years are so crucial. Mm -hmm. But a child will never be able to verbalize it because most of that's nonverbal, right? So they can the experiences are still stored in their their nervous system and in their body. So they'll naturally play it out using their play. And this is why play is so important. Mm. Um, And you then have them make sense of that journey, if that makes sense. And then you interpret that then and then you sort of pass that on to the parents and social workers and so forth, isn't it, Ashling? Well, it's kind of. I kind of work a little bit different, to be honest, Mary. Mm. So my belief is that you know, all attachments, your, your your basic need in the whole world is your attachment, right? From a very mm. young age, we need it for survival. Mm. And so those relationships are key. And usually the, the kids that I would work a lot with, there's a lot of anxiety and different things there. Um, those relationships are so important that I, I now bring mums, mainly mums, but caregivers mm. and sometimes dads mm. into all of our 
sessions Mm -hmm. because that's the most crucial person in that person's life so if Mm. we want healing to occur Mm. why would I not bring the two of them together Mm. to create the safety and also very often what we're dealing with is those early experiences sometimes we can have what we call attachment disruption that I can help the mum and the child heal together because it was a shared experience so by me holding the space and creating a safe space for them to Mm. reconnect and and to reconnect the relationship um, I I bring them together to do that and we get results like it's so amazing the results that we get and Mm. so much quicker Amazing. And is it a pity, Ashling, that that's more done with, you know, parents before they have children on yeah. what to do? Because, you know, as parents, we're never taught how to rear a child. We read all the books again. I remember when I had my kids, I, I read Tony Humphrey's book on self-esteem. Yeah. I really wanted to be sure I was doing all the right things. Parents. Yes. But it's a pity that that's not part of, the, you know, that every parent may do that because we're not actually taught. And you, you'd hate to think that you were not, not teaching them correctly, because, as you said, yeah. it's so important, isn't it? It is. And you don't know. How would you know this? Exactly. Mm. Like, I truly believe that every parent, and I'm a parent myself, yeah, also, so I had a, see, a yeah. deep yeah. learning curve myself. Yeah. But you do the absolute best that you can for your children with what you know, with no, what knowledge you have. Right. Mm. And depending on how you were parented. And this the, is the problem, you see. Yeah, yes. you're bringing a, a lot of the good, but you're bringing some of the bad as well. And, totally. and you just don't want to keep those intergenerational cycles going, you see. Totally. And that's yeah. what we do. We can break it. And that's what yeah. I take to do in the practice now as I work with the mum and the child. So mm-hmm. the mum might not realise, for example, mm. that the big behaviours that they're seeing at home isn't the child been bold Hmm. it's the child who just really needs more time more attachment more understanding of what the what the needs are for that child right Mm -hmm. and so and one of the biggest things that I think I have we have the huge aha moments in the clinic is when parents realize that if they can just be more connected Mm -hmm. slow down a little bit even if it's you know five minutes Mm. of pure connection in that relationship with the child and spend those five minutes, not five minutes like trying to peel the potatoes at the same time or try to look at something on the phone at the same time, but just really look into their eyes and really give them your five minute attention. Mm. The difference in that relationship, if that can be consistent, is phenomenal. The the bad behaviour, tantrums, this sort of thing, wouldn't it be actually? All of that. Attention-seeking behaviour, all that sort of thing. And I suppose... That's very, it's brilliant. But the problem is in today's world, actually, it's so busy, isn't it? And you might have single mothers who are stretched beyond belief and or you might have been married to someone who's working ridiculous hours. So it's so hard, isn't it? It's it's so hard, even though you have to do it. But I suppose we we have to be as supportive as we can to, to, to parents and ask them to ask for help whenever they can, don't we? Exactly. And it's exactly. And that's why I think it's really important to, to mention, you know, when I work with these families is that you don't need to be fully present for two hours a day or even yes. an hour a day. If you can mm. just manage those five minutes and even just making something playful. So if you're rushing out the door in the morning, mm. have a game of chasing them up the stairs or have, you know, having a game of whatever for their age mm. depends on the age, obviously, mm. but just five minutes of some playfulness. Mm. And the other thing as well, and it is, it is really hard, obviously, mm. Mary, you're mm. right in what you're saying there's so much pressure now there's Mm. so much pressure on everybody and we're all in such a rush but even for to understand that the power that they have Mm. in if they can manage to keep themselves calm Mm. the difference that that will also have on these big behaviors so if Mm. if I also I always talk to parents about you know if you're ever on a plane 
and there's turbulence. Mm. The first thing I do is I look at the air steward and I think, right, if they're calm and they're still going along serving mm, the drinks or whatever, it's yeah. fine, right? Yeah. But if they're running to the seat and they're putting on the seatbelt, I start to feel like anxious, right? Yes, yes. Where kids look to their parents the exact same way. Right. Yes, yeah. You true. know? True, yeah. And, and very it's, much it's, learned behavior, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But if we can stay calm, they can stay, you know, it'll help yeah. keep things calm because that's one of the probably the biggest questions I get asked is mm-hmm. what do I do with these massive meltdowns mm-hmm. and these feelings? Okay. And and that's we often as parents again, because we're so busy and I'm I'm always the same myself when mm-hmm. I talk about this, is it's really hard to stay calm and grounded. But if you mm-hmm. can it can definitely have a huge impact. Okay. And actually, one of the things that I see an awful lot in girls, I deal a lot with young girls and, and, and women, obviously, and they, they, in spite of, you know, our generation being very well aware of mm-hmm. putting more time into kids, you know, praising them, trying to mm-hmm. give them the high frequency, scene where we might have been told to go away, you know, in, in when we were growing up, it was a little yeah. bit more children were not heard. But, yeah. now, you know, in this generation, very much giving children time and trying to listen to them and trying to be there for them and, and really listening to the words and yet I'm seeing girls in their teens coming into me with lips done when I say to them you're gorgeous looking you didn't need that done they're not even aware they're good looking where are we going wrong because this this is a problem we're trying to get the self-esteem up in that generation and yet they seem to be very almost lacking a lot of self-confidence and we're nearly going the other direction which worries me no yeah it is and it's a huge concern and this probably ties into the other side of the business that I'm kind of trying to create at the moment and I would say a huge problem we have here is social media yes okay And, and and that online world so we know that there's an absolutely massive increase in eating disorders mm-hmm. in the last number of years you know exactly kind of linked to what you're talking about the self-esteem things so you know if you've got there's a there's a whole big mm. part to play in this but I would say social media is a massive part of it because mm. we have people who are constantly comparing themselves mm. to unrealistic yes you know profiles yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, lives like we, etc yeah exactly, exactly. And, mm, and most yeah. most mostly when we're on social media we're posting all the good stuff we're yeah. not talking Filters, about etc yeah exactly and yeah. so you've got that combined with you know unfortunately we're all so busy there is mm. way less connection there's mm-hmm. way less time for sitting down to have dinner together as a family mm-hmm. there's way you know there's there's all of that then I think and this may be just my opinion, but I also think that we used to live in big groups. We used to live in big family groups. Mm-hmm. And there was always somebody there that was part of the family to look after someone or help with someone. Whereas mm-hmm. now we're so isolated mm-hmm. and we're, we're all apart, working mm-hmm. so busy, so trying to like, you Having know, play the bridge. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. we're, we're disconnected. And that's what, yeah. you know, that's actually mm-hmm. why I call the practice connections. Child psychology mm-hmm. was because I, the connection to mm-hmm. your primary people, your caregivers, your, your mm-hmm. core family and to yourself okay. are so key. So for young parents listening, we're starting and then yes. young children. What are the keys, Ashling, that you would say to them that, you know, that they need to do? You said already five minutes, give them, you know, they're really busy, yes. but give them five minutes looking into the eye and really, yes. yeah. Yes. What so, the, so the connection, the play, think mm. of things like having like routines and consistency. So even if it is only five minutes in the morning, jump into bed with them or mm. let them go into the bed, depending on the age, obviously, and what yes. you're comfortable with in your house. But, you know, those family routines, those family board game nights, like even if it's once a month, yes. make it a big deal out of it. Like, 
like watching a movie together. Put, put Showing the them are, they're important. Exactly. They're really important parts in, the, in their life to give them high self-esteem. A hundred percent. You're just basically trying to say to them, I understand your world mm-hmm. and I want to be part of it. And no matter what you could do, mm-hmm. I will always love you. Okay. Okay. So that's the, that child. And then when they go to 12, 13, 14, yeah. and they're a bit, little bit more challenging yeah. Yeah. and back answering and, and so forth. You're saying that sometimes that could be them. Like, how do you know that the child is just being bold versus that yeah. they could be having, you know, having yeah. a need in terms of it's, it's acting out some behavior that's troubling them. How do you know the difference between the two? So, so there's a so there's a bit of a myth, I think, that people around 12, 13, 14, 15 need their friends more, more than their parents. Mm-hmm. They need their parents just as much as ever, Absolutely. but they definitely have a different relationship with friendship. And there is that kind of trying to break away. Yeah. So to answer your question, I guess, is firstly, it's about knowing your child, but also knowing that there are certain um, boundaries that they're going to try and push. Right. Mm-hmm. What I would say, if you keep this in the back of your mind is and it works with any age, the bigger the behaviours. Right. Mm-hmm. The more they need your love. OK, OK. So if you can smother them more or and, and smother them in love, you know, might look like just saying to a 15 year old or a 12 year old. I'm right here if ever I can do anything to help. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean hugging and kissing them and, you know, depending yes. on if that's what yes. they want. Yeah. But no matter what the age, the key thing is to keep in your mind, the bigger the behaviours, the bigger the challenging behaviours, the more the child needs your connection and attachment. Mm. And if you can consistently be there, yeah. whether that's a five minute nugget or a half an hour once a month or whatever it looks like in your busy schedule and, mm. and, and busy life that we all have, mm. the the better the outcomes. It's a hard thing, isn't it, when you're it's tired yeah. and you've done so much for them and they're giving you a back chat yeah. in spite of the fact that you've, you know, yes. done done everything for them, isn't it? It's very hard for it's every parent. Incredibly, isn't it? incredibly hard. Yeah, yeah. And so, what happens is then when we try it and it doesn't work, hmm. we kind of go, oh, well, that's like, it's not going to work. Whereas if we could just keep at it a little bit more, a little bit more consistently, hmm you'll start to see the change. Like I, I work with a lot of a lot of teenagers say, and one of the biggest things that I hear is mom just doesn't understand or dad doesn't understand her. Mm-hmm. And I, when I get them to elaborate on it, it's just sometimes we have a tendency as parents, right? If someone comes to us with a problem, we can turn around and go, but sure, you'll be grand. It's fine. You've done that before. Yes. Not realizing that that can come across a little bit dismissive of our feelings. Not that that's what we mean to do. Yes, yes. Whereas if you could come at it with a little bit of like empathy and go, gosh, that sounds really hard. Or today must have been really tough. I can I can tell today was a hard day mm-hmm. without fixing it. Yes. That can have that can get you a, a lot further with the teenager. Yes. Then. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, very much, yeah. very much, very much. And I suppose then the, the other problem that parents face is that where a lot of parents are a little bit, I certainly see it in my situation, I've got a little 16-year-old and you'd find some parents are a little bit too leeway with regard to letting them out. And I might be a bit more strict about yeah. letting them out. And it's very hard to know where's the, where's the balance. Mm-hmm. I think you go with your gut, but again, yeah. you're only going with your gut because you, you, you haven't been taught on what's the right thing to do, Ashley. Yeah, yeah for sure. Say that, yeah. Yeah, and it's and that's a very hard one because obviously mm-hmm. you can have two 16-year-olds as well that are very different and have different, you know, yes. abilities to cope yeah. with things. But I think, you know, there's, there's certain things we have to think about in this. And I'm very passionate about this one particular topic, and that is about parenting through connection. Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. Not about kind of trying to control everything. So we can sometimes yeah. feel like we have to try and manage everything and, and make sure that we allow them to do this and not do that. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and that's obviously you have to do it when they're quite young. But as they get older, mm-hmm. I think we have to be able to, to, to educate them and talk to them about the dangers out there and talk to them about why things are, are maybe good or not so good for them. Mm-hmm. And we have to get to a stage where we can trust them Mm-hmm. To, to obviously not put themselves in danger but make so they will make mistakes but if you aren't approachable if you've mm-hmm. spent your whole life trying to t- kind of not control them but tell them what they can and can't do mm-hmm. and been really 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 strict mm-hmm. then when something does go wrong which it will mm-hmm. you're not the approachable parent that they can come to maybe if you know what I mean so always yeah. thinking about that the longer game is what can I do today to make sure that I'm approachable when they're 13 14 15 and they are in trouble exactly. you want them to be able to come back to you mm-hmm. then and of course for a parent to be able to do that they have to be looking after themselves as well because if they're tired and overworked which a lot of women are in particular, they're not yeah. going to be able to be that approachable, you know, with the best will in the world. So that's, I think, where a lot of women need to look at their own lives yeah. and sort of, you know, pull back a bit to allow themselves re-energize so they can be there for their children. Because if they're doing too much for the kids, which yeah. I see all the time, actually, like lunches, et cetera, for teenage yeah. kids, well, then you're not going to be able to have time to do what, what is very necessary and actually fact, way more important than doing the lunches yeah. and disempowering the child at the same time. You know. But we, but I think we've grown up, haven't we? Thinking yeah. that we should put ourselves last. Yes, that's the problem when, with women. It, yeah. yeah, and in yeah. fact, it's it's probably for myself having two children. I'm only realizing it more and more in the last few years that if I am not at the top of my game, mm. I'm more snappy. I'm, you know, way less tolerable of them bickering or fighting or whatever they're mm. doing. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. if I'm, if I don't look after myself, I'm such a different mum. Totally. Yeah. But I don't okay. get it right all the time. None and no one does. And no, no one does. And how do we deal with this guilt thing, Ashley? The amount of mothers that yeah. have guilt and yeah. men don't have it. And it's absolutely wonderful that they don't have it. Yeah. But, but women have it and it, it, it absolutely eats them up, you know, that they're doing their best. They're doing everything, but they have awful guilt if they don't do X, Y and Z, you know, okay. and this is what makes them go over the top with regard to doing all the extras that is spoiling the child and overindulging the child as opposed to, you know, I just don't know how we're going to change that. I'd, and I, I don't know the, quite, the, the full answer to that either, mm. but I think definitely having some self-compassion and self-care will go a long way, like yes. slowing things down yourself yes. and realizing that you are perfect as you are. As a mother, you are perfect as you are. Mm-hmm. You do not need to give them stuff. You do not need to spend 24 hours a day with them. You just need to give them that connection, that little bit of connection. You're mm-hmm. all they need. Like, and I'm saying mm-hmm. the mom's more so just because that's obviously a different relationship. Obviously, yes. kids yes. and dads are as important, but mm. just slowing that right down. Absolutely. And, and, and I kind keep, kind them. I, I keep saying that to, to women, actually, because my own mother worked and thank God I turned yeah. out fine. But a lot of women, because they work, feel guilty that their kids are missing yes. out. And I think that's that's a big problem. And I think we need to, it's, it's important that somebody like you says that. that yeah, it know, is. It is. And and I think no matter whether you're not working, whether you're working, whether they're in childcare, whether in school, mm. wherever they are, I think, as you said, the women feel the guilt. That and I think, you, you know, no matter what, we do feel guilty. And I think to be able to just whatever situation you're in, whether if you're going out to work, mm. reframe it and say mm. to yourself, well, I'm actually 
leading a really good example to my kid that I'm getting up every day and I'm doing something I'm passionate about or or if you're staying at home because you want to look after your family and you're looking after the house you're you're again leading by example and you're you're making you've done this you're, you're looking after everyone you're creating a nice house you're giving them a lovely connection some time whatever it is that it looks like yeah. you know reframing it for yourself and and again I'm going to say slowing it down yeah, because if you don't slow down and get in tune with you again you won't notice these things and you absolutely. won't get a chance to change it absolutely and are there any studies out there actually showing that there is no difference whether a mother works at home or whether she's on the child i'm sure there are to reassure There's, all those women yes there is loads loads, loads of research to show it loads of research it doesn't matter whether you're at work or whether you're not at work mm. every day when you're at work you're just in the home mm. you know it it will make no difference it makes okay. no difference. You can still be, as long as you can be attuned and connected to your children, mm-hmm. that's all they need to set them up. You know, those first few years are so important okay. for the rest of their lives. Nice. So and I the, think, go on, keep going. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and the connection and safety in the relationship is key. So you can give that regardless of what your setup is. Okay. Okay. So you were saying connection is key, Ashling. That you give them time. The play is so important. Mm-hmm. The, the routine, the family routines. Obviously, the lack of of tension too, Ashling. You know, as as much as, yes. and, and a lot of that too can be that there's so, too too much going on. I get um, families coming in, and there's so many activities going on, and and obviously in COVID, all that stopped, and people were still happy, and yet unfortunately they've gone back to that excessive amount of. Yeah activities where you know a mother is a taxi and a father is a taxi you know five nights a week and no family time which is not a good thing I mean that's going against all the routine that you're advising isn't it yeah and and also we need kids to be bored Mm. you know we we don't want to overstimulate them we don't like it is hard for you know depending on the ages but going to school all day having to come home do homework then go off to activities like it does can take a lot on them if it's every night and it mm. takes an awful lot on the parents, of course. So just trying mm. to just pull back a little bit on that, of course. Like there's obviously, it's great to have a few activities, but just not over scheduling everybody. Mm. Um, keeping it a bit more simple, like you said, those board game nights, watching a movie together, what, you know, that will be mm. just just as good, okay. you know, for everyone okay. in the family. And for those women listening, Ashling, who are feeling lacking and confident, like, I'm just thinking of, I read this morning on an Independent um, about that, the, a lovely, lovely girl, um, Siobhan McLaughlin, who was killed and she came from a lovely family, her, her, um, her, her sister is a journalist and they're, they're obviously coming out because the the guy the husband who killed her is, is due for parole but they just mentioned in the article and I see this a lot with women where she had married a, a man who totally controlled her she was a fabulous girl full of vibrance they just everyone loved her but when she married this guy she attracted basically a narcissist and it happened to so many wonderful women how can we educate them to to avoid these these men? You know, because you see, you hear it so many, I see it among so many patients. And this was a lovely girl whose family have said it quite clearly, you know, that that this guy totally, the minute he got hold of her, controlled her, shut out all the family. Mm-hmm. And no matter what they said to her, and she came from a loving family, that this this was yeah. still uh, an issue. So well, what can you do to, to make sure that you're... Your child, or to do your very best to make sure yeah. that your child or girl or son doesn't attract a narcissist. 
So it's it, and it's it's a terrifying topic, yeah. obviously, isn't it? But yeah. I think you know it's come back to all the things we're talking about. Yeah. If you if you think of right, so at the very beginning when we're born, we have two two our needs, the biggest needs that you could possibly have. One is attachment, yeah. and one is to be authentic. Right. Mm. To be truly who you are. OK. Mm. And based on the relationships around you and the environment that you're born into, and even while you're um, in your mum's tummy, you very quickly learn whether the world is a safe place or a not so safe place. Right. But mm. you also learn whether you're lovable or not. Mm. And that's all about how your relationships are and those needs been met and those servant uh, servant return interactions we talk about. Mm. And they wire your brain in those first three years. So if you want to give your kids the best chance to have that self-esteem and to have that belief that I am actually, I'm pretty special, I'm pretty cool on my own. Mm. It's about those connections, that time, that quality time, Mm. you know, acknowledging a person's feelings, validating their feelings. So if a child comes home and is really upset about a fight in school, not saying, oh, sure, you'll be grand next week, you're always fighting. But it's about saying, gosh, that must mm. have been really hard today. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I always say to parents, if, if imagine when I have the parents on the couch and we're doing a parent intake, I say to them, like, imagine now if you came home from work and you've had the worst day ever and your partner turns around to you and says, oh, will you stop? My day was worse. Will you go on and start the dinner? How you'd feel. Yes. And then imagine if you came in the door and the same thing happened and they said, oh, gosh, that sounds awful. Sit down there and I'll make you a cup of tea. Tell me all about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yes. The difference in how your body feels, you you yeah. learn very quickly. Well, I'm important. Mm-hmm. If that's the time they, they want to talk about this and they understand and they get my world. Yes. So if we're constantly doing that with our kids, no matter what age they are, mm-hmm. they're constantly learning that they're special and important enough to us. Yes. And if they grow up feeling important enough in their key relationships, mm. then they're not going to have anything less for the rest of their lives because yes. they're going to feel like valued and know that they can do better and deserve better. Amazing. And actually, I suppose it's about boundaries then, isn't it? To make sure yeah. they're not spoiled and overindulged, isn't it? Yeah. I sometimes think that this generation are doing quite a bit of that, but they're, they've no boundaries and yeah. they're not saying no to the child, which of course yeah. is, a, is another important act of, set of love as well, isn't it? To actually say no. Yeah. no it's, it's, yeah, we're going to the opposite. So we're trying so hard not to, obviously we don't want to hit the kids and we don't want to be shouting and roaring. Like we're trying to move away from all that and trying mm. to be respectful. But like that, sometimes we do lose the fact that we can still have a boundary. Mm. You can still have a boundary in place where a child knows. And in fact, boundaries are brilliant, Mary, because they create a sense of safety for mm. kids. When a child knows that they can only go so far, it creates that felt sense of safety for them within the family. Mm. So those boundaries are still really important, mm. you know, mm. and they, they still need to learn all those important things. Mm. Um, and it's OK for them not to like it. And it's OK yeah. for them to push back. Yes. But it's how we deal with it. Then that's important, you know. Fantastic. And mm. for, for people, People are listening to podcasts now and they're just feeling a little low in self-esteem and mm-hmm. they, they've done all the, the you know, the, the read all the self-help books, but still are feeling what, what should they do, Ashling? What's the what would you say to them? Obviously, they go to see a psychologist, but what else can they do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. If, if they have the, the, you know, the commitment and it's the, the time, sorry, I meant mm. to. And, 
there's yeah. more capacity. Fact, to before I ask that, what's the difference between a counselor and a, and a psychotherapist or a psychologist and a psychotherapist actually? What is the oh, difference? So the psychologist yeah. would delve a lot deeper into like mental health and the okay. brain and all of that and diagnosis and, and you know be a bit more into that. Whereas the psychotherapist would be more around the kind of talk therapies and um, okay. without having all that um, neuroscience background. Okay. Maybe okay. But to be honest, both fantastic and both could do brilliant work. And the most important, it's important to mention this, the most important thing for healing to occur is not the person's qualification. It's the relationship that you have, whether you feel heard, whether you feel validated. Again, the same stuff we're talking about with the parents. So it's important if someone does reach out to go for um, some support that they make sure that they feel like the person is the right fit for them. And if it Mm -hmm. isn't, go to someone else and try again. Very good. Because that's, really, that's really something we all hear about in America, where they're great at going to to yeah. for therapy. But here, it was almost frowned at. Now, thankfully, yeah. things are changing and they're opening up. Yeah. But you know, it, it is important, isn't it? If somebody is feeling stressed or overwhelmed or lack yeah. of self esteem or bullied in work or all these things that happen, you know, that they do that if they have a story and they've somewhere to go to, to for yeah. help, you know. Every one of us should have that. Mm. Every one of us, like you know, there's some fantastic discussions around now bringing play therapists into all the schools which is going to normalize this mm. as well so much for the next generation which exactly. is fantastic exactly. but for mums all the, like I end up a lot of the time working with the mum because the mums need the support obviously because we're so busy and and, and everything we're talking about so I would encourage anybody who's feeling you know you know yourself if you're happy or not you know yourself if it's impacting day-to-day life if you're feeling really angry and resentful and you're snappy with the kids or you're snappy with your partner or wife or husband whoever you know yourself that there's something a little bit off and it the best thing, you know, for yourself would be to go and speak to somebody because those people are trained in how to help and they can make a massive difference. Like mm. I hear a lot of the time, you know, mums will come in and describe things to me and they'll tell me things and they'll say, but this is just life. This is just the way it mm. is. And I'm always like, oh, but it doesn't have to be this hard. Mm. You know, mm. we can we can change it or you can change it by speaking to somebody else mm. so that you know that self-care as well is really important and, and that narcissist, yeah sorry go the on. narcissist that I was talking about where where women or and men attract a narcissist it is to, got to do with if we have a low self-esteem we do attract yeah. those people don't we yeah, unfortunately we yeah unfortunately because if you grow up thinking you know if you grow up thinking you're not good enough and somebody gives you that attention at the start mm. and you'll be you know attracted to that and then very quickly that person can turn it and can yes. realize they can control you very quickly yes. which is dangerous so if, if the self-esteem is there at the start then mm. you don't attract it as often that's fantastic Ashley. Mm. so that's absolutely so, so connection uh spending time uh yeah. the play therapy is so important the talking um uh, you know have loads of time for self so that you can give time to your children and and, and your husband and vice versa obviously yeah. but what other things actually are important um, so what else do we say is important? So like just being able to sit through the big feelings, I would say, is really important. So mm-hmm. this brings us back, you know, to the, this topic of regulation. So when we see a child um, and this can be like an older child, it just mm-hmm. looks a little bit different. Having these big feelings and these lashing out and these big anger and um, maybe even throwing things and, and mm-hmm. whatnot to be able to sit through that. Right. What we don't learn as parents, because we're never, ever told it, Mm. is that a child can't calm themselves unless they've got a co-regulator. 
So yes. we have to regulate in order to help them regulate, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. So for example, you've got a child, a four-year-old who's like really angry and, and going crazy in the house and throwing things and mm. whatever and saying, you know, mm. I hate you, mom, and, and all those things. Mm. To be able to sit through that and mm. just be, so for some kids, it's about picking them up and rocking them, soothing mm. them that way, right? You're mm. regulating. Another child might want you to touch them. So it's sitting close by and saying, I'm right here whenever you whenever you need me mm-hmm. and keeping your voice kind of calm, not using too many words, because when we're dysregulated, we can't actually reach the cognitive part of our brain. So we can't hear properly or process properly, I should say. So staying as calm as possible, staying close by. I would avoid, if possible, sending kids away to their rooms uh, yeah. to be alone because okay. that doesn't feel so nice for them if it's mm-hmm. possible to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, just so, again, back to that point, the bigger the behaviours, the closer they need, the bigger love they need from you. Okay. Um, and, the, and all that quality time, routine, family connection time is so important for a sense of safety and keeping things as calm as possible. Okay, okay. And actually, autism, is it is it getting more prevalent or is it just that it's been diagnosed and was misdiagnosed and not diagnosed uh, 20 years ago? Is it, you know, I'd say it's a, it's a mixture of everything. Like, mm. obviously, I can't answer directly, but I would mm. say, in my opinion, it's probably a mixture of it all. Mm. We're mm. definitely way more attuned. We're mm. way more kind of open to it. We're diagnosing more often, mm. you know, mm. um, as a result of our understanding, we have a lot more research to, to mm. do. Um, so yeah it's kind of a, a mix of everything I would think mm-hmm. because it just does seem to be way more different mm. doesn't it mm. and you just wonder is is it just that it's been more as you said we're all more aware and children mm. are getting earlier intervention and so forth for so sure and, and and exactly it, we're, we're looking for it maybe yeah. as well that we yeah. weren't looking for it before you know before. and, and obviously but with that you would worry there might be over diagnosis as well and that's what you don't want isn't it yeah. So I would I would um, work with a lot of families where who come to me and they say they've got concerns or the school have concerns. And mm-hmm. I will talk to them a lot about, you know, if we have very early kind of trauma and that can look like a whole range of different things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. A trauma response or trauma symptoms, if we call it that, can look exactly the same as ADHD or an autism diagnosis. And and so it's it's to me it's not so important Mm. whether we put the name to it or not it's Mm -hmm. to me it's we still want to work holistically with the child and the family so often I've had families come to me where it's really terrible they've they've gone down um the diagnostic route and they've come to me and said yeah we've got a diagnosis of autism or ADHD or whatever Mm. now what and they were just left. And I was like, oh, gosh, OK, we still need to do the work. We still need to come together. We still need to do that re- connection. We still need to do, you know, bring them into the, the clinic and, mm-hmm. and do all that beautiful work to help them as a family reconnect and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But that's the danger with sometimes with the diagnosis is it can be they're just left with that and not shown then what to do next. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Which which is which is absolutely terrible. Yeah. So actually with with um psychology, my God, it's it's fantastic, isn't it? How, how much you can help. It really is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I suppose the big thing is is you you're very much connected with children, but also parents need to be very involved as well. There's probably not enough um psychologists, is there in when you think about the 
the help that's needed out there? No, it's absolutely not. Like I've got such, I'd say about a six month waiting list at the moment. And I have really just put up an ad about a month ago looking for another psychologist in the practice. And it's it's so hard to find people. Like okay. there's such a shortage of all therapists, it yes. seems, you know, and the waiting list, unfortunately now for like all the different CAMs and all the public, it's just... There have been two years okay. of a waiting list, which isn't okay. okay, obviously. There's something has to change. Change, yeah, absolutely. And actually, the other thing I wanted to ask you, just how does societal things interfere with, with self-esteem? So, for example, I would be very much of the opinion that, like you, you've heard me several times say, girls with sport, you know, it, it's, it wasn't the same it is now or coming to that. But the way society treats women you know, in business and politics uh, with sport, the way it, it's not um, equal yet, so it's, it's getting there. Yes. Is that a big factor psychologically in girls' self-esteem, how, there's, how they're, they see their peers perceived? Is that a, a factor? I, w- I would say it is. Like, mm. I think from, you know, and I don't want to get too opinionated on this, but yes. I think that from a very young age, we're kind of told mm-hmm. in all these different ways of life that we're second. Yes. Yes. And there are little subtle messages the whole way through your life, isn't there? Mm. Until you become aware of it. And when you become okay. aware of it, it's very different. But there are a lot of people that wouldn't be aware of that. And so mm. they're just constantly living that, you know, this is our role. This is who mm. we are. This is where mm. we stand in the, yeah. you know, in that on, in the order. Um, yeah. And so that's a huge part of it. It's yeah, a huge yeah. part of all of it, but oh. it's changing, Mary. It's Thankfully, changing. Thankfully, with people like you and me talking <laughs> yes. out, we, we, we need more of it. Yeah, we yeah. Do. So Ashton, just to say to you, um, we I would traditionally see, particularly around COVID, where elderly mothers would be soft on their boys, where they would ask her daughter who was maybe 15 miles away for something and not ask the farmer next door. And is that something we're just going to have to, you know, by keep talking, change the narrative and educate women to, to treat their, their boys and girls equally? Or how, how do we change it? Yeah, for sure. I think it's all part of this change that we are seeing. I think it's about treating everybody equal. And, and now that more and more women are empowered, more mm. and more women are realizing their worth, that we have a voice. We can stand for things that, you know, people are listening now. And that's mm. why more and more of us are doing, you know, going out into business on our own and, and doing our own thing. Um, it is changing. And I think that's already happening. It's probably not happening at the speed we'd like, but mm. it is changing. And so hopefully, you know, as time continues, that will continue to increase and, and build momentum. For good. And I suppose well, women are get, get frustrated with the lack of progress, even though we've yeah. seen an awful lot of progress in the last few years. But yeah. women would, would say, you know, it's, it's still not happening, uh, you know, uh, quick enough for us. But I suppose actually we're, by doing podcasts and by changing the narrative and, as you said, empowering women, we're, we're, we are changing the, the landscape, aren't we? Yeah, and I think what can help as well, and it brings me back to one of the questions you asked me earlier about what people can do is you become an average of the five people that you hang around with, right? So even Mm. if it's not the five people you're hanging around with, what you're listening to, what you're watching, if you're waking up every morning, the first thing you're doing is, I'm going to pretend I don't do this is jump on Instagram or jump on something and you're losing like a half an hour to an hour and then you're listening to, you know, whatever you listen to on your news or your podcasts or whatever, you can use that time to listen to people that empower you. You can use that time to listen, look at people who follow people who inspire you. Don't just follow people that are just 
the perfect mm-hmm. world if you know what I'm trying to say yes you can, absolutely you you can build yourself up like that too like and empower yourself and, and the more you tune into that the more you'll have faith and and belief that it's changing it's, yes it's what you're putting into your own brain I think is really important and that goes yeah. back to those people who are struggling with their mental health what you're following who you're following you know switch off the news don't listen mm-hmm. to the news if you're struggling because it's just horrible mm-hmm. you know you can decide basically what you feed into yourself Exactly. And you can change your universe very much by, yeah. by sort of visualization, which is hard to do, actually. It is but hard. It does take a lot. And the big thing psychologists say is journaling is important. And yes. again, with our busy lifestyle, how feasible is it to journal every day? It, it is. It's extremely hard. OK, but, you know, last thing you do before you go to sleep if you can just spend two minutes, even if it's only once a week, once a month, it'll help. It just, it helps get things clear from out of your head onto a piece of paper. And it doesn't feel as overwhelming as basically, you know, the key to it. But also it's one of those things, like it's a habit, isn't it? So yes. you have to do it consistently for something like, I don't know, is it 21 days or something they talk about um, with the habit stuff that it becomes natural, like it becomes just a second way, nature to you then. It's all these things have to be done consistently consistently for a while and then you start to see the gain mm-hmm. but it's so it, hard and I think that's important that you keep mentioning that that it's you know I might work as a psychologist and, and hopefully help all these wonderful families that I see in the clinic but I'm a mum and I don't do this right I don't yeah. get it right I go home sometimes and I don't hang out with my kids I spend all day with other people's kids and then I forget when I go home to spend that real quality time with my own kids because I'm exhausted yeah. and I shout at my kids you know we all we're, we're all doing the best we can but it That's is incredibly hard. hard and so it's so important to be self-compassionate and go easy with yourself as well I think yeah love yourself so that you'll have time yeah. to do all the connections but yeah. you have to really go back to yourself and then the visualization and the journaling and as you said you know choosing who who you who are your positive influences and get rid of the negative influences and really taking authority of your own life actually isn't it yeah, taking control sure. of it yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we can we can do that now. We we know that as my little three year old, um, her favorite saying is because we've we've done this a lot. We are girls and we can do anything. Oh, and that's what she says. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. Actually, any any momentous to finish with? You've been fantastic. Any little tips that you want to give us in addition to what you've already told us? Um, just to I guess just slow things down. If we can slow down, tune into ourselves, you know, the rest will kind of flow from it when we've got a bit of time, a bit of perspective and and, and just self-care, slow down. And if you can look after yourself, you're in a much better position to look after the other people around you. It's really important that saying, you know, again, back to the plane analogy, but you, your mums and your parents, you put your oxygen mask on first. And that's really, that's really important. Good girl. And actually, where can people, I know you're very busy, but where can people get hold of you or how can yep. they come and see you? Yeah, so I do have a website. Yeah, so we've got connectionschildpsychology.ie um, to do with the psychology practice and all that. And if people are interested in on the online safety and all of that side of the business, it's called the childprotectionacademy.com. 
Fantastic. You're an amazing woman, Ashling. Amazing. Absolutely. And it's, it's so wonderful to get someone like you on podcast because obviously an awful lot of women, which is wonderful, uh, listen to these podcasts. It's their, it's their first thing in the morning or their last yeah. thing at night. And it's just about directing them in the right way. As I said, none of us were taught to be parents and you really want to be sure you're doing the right thing. There's a lot of information there, but is it the right information? So, so we want to hear from some an expert like yourself. And then I suppose it's to teach parents to be have high self-esteem themselves that they mightn't have got the opportunities they're giving their own children so if they have to do a lot of work on themselves and of course the child is looking at them as the mentor so it's terribly important that they they work on themselves as well so it's to get those points across yeah definitely and and you are only doing the best that you can um Mm. but if you have a little instinct if you have a little gut feeling that something's a little bit off just listen to that because that's you know you're you're, or if if you find yourself shouting roar you know a a lot or getting really agitated very easily that's you're getting triggered and that means there's something there and that's your body's giving you a, a kind of a sign a signal to say hey something's off here something doesn't feel so good and that's when it's time to do some work for yourself i think whether that for you might be yoga that just might be going off for a weekend on your own. That might be going cold water swimming, sea swimming. You know, it's different for everybody, but just, you know, listening, the awareness that something's a little bit off, the awareness that there's some stuff happening there. That's mm. the key to change. Be- becoming aware is the first step. You're fantastic. Ashling. it's so lovely talking to you and thank you so much. Thank and go you. and take some of that time for yourself now after your long day. Thank, thank you, Ashling. I'm delighted to talk to you on this Empowering Cup podcast.